Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the two hottest topics, albeit, uh, I mean, I guess one could have, um, there could be some controversy over what are really the hottest topics, but I mean, considering that Putin (laughs) is just one step away from pushing the button, I guess one could say that that is the hottest topic, but I have already done several um, shows on that, several doctors. Dr. Carol's Couch episodes on that, on Russia and and uh, the Ukraine war and all of that. And of course, that is the most uh, important topic that's going on today. But we can't uh, talk about that 24-7 or we will all, it, w- it will be too depressing. Um, we do need to be doing something about it. And we also need to be uh, helping Ukraine. And there's something that we all, we each can do to help Ukraine, whether it's donating money or um, working for an organization that is helping bringing, uh, bringing supplies to Ukraine. I don't mean necessarily war supplies. I mean books and, and, um, and food and things like that. But now I'm going to talk about the two hottest topics of the day, which are the trial of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. And the Buffalo shooter, the um, man in uh, in Buffalo, New York, who um, recently shot up the um, a supermarket in in upstate New York, in Buffalo, and um, we'll talk about. I'm going to analyze him for you and this whole phenomenon for you. He is just one of an increasing uh, phenomenon. But first, let's let's talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Now, if you have watched that, uh, and it is gavel to gavel on court TV, if you have started to watch or watched any episodes of this uh, trial, you have probably found yourself getting addicted to it. It is, it is, I, I will, I will uh, confess, I am addicted to it. Of course, I'm a forensic psychiatrist and an expert witness, so I am particularly interested in trials and in uh, assessing other experts and attorneys and all of that. And I have been doing uh, a lot of um, uh, analysis on court TV, and um, that is the best place that you can watch not only Gavel to Gavel, but there are also uh, shows in between that have experts that analyze what is going on. So where are we here? So Johnny Depp, in case, let me start from the beginning. Well, let me give you an introduction so that in case you haven't been watching it or don't know what it's about, at least you, will, uh, you won't be lost here today. So what it is, is a defamation trial. Johnny Depp has sued Amber Heard. Uh, they are both movie stars, although Johnny Depp is far more um, well-known and and, uh, a much higher caliber movie star than Amber Heard. Amber Heard is a wannabe, really. Um, 
And they, he, so Johnny Depp sued Amber Heard. Uh, the trial began April 11th, so it's been going on about five weeks. But last week was uh, the court was quiet because the judge had a previous engagement, so there was no trial last week. And it just started up again yesterday. Now, um, he, uh, Depp, uh, is suing her for defamation in regard to a 2018 op-ed that Amber wrote and that was published in the Washington Post. And in this op-ed, she accused him without mentioning his name, but she has only been married once, um, I believe, and, and the other the other, all of the um, descriptions, she, she talked about being a victim of domestic violence. And um, it, it was already known before 2018 that she sued Johnny, not sued really, but that she got a temporary restraining order uh, against Johnny Depp. And so clearly, it was clear that he was the one that she was talking about. I mean, there was no question about it. And so even though she didn't mention his name per se, anybody who hasn't been hiding under a rock would know who she was talking about. And so he sued her for defamation because she said all kinds of horrible things about this unnamed um, abuser. And in fact, now let me just go back a little bit more. Um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard met each other when they made a movie together. They were starring opposite each other. They were the love interest in um, a movie um, called The Rum Diary. And um, they met in 2009 when they filmed this movie. And then they didn't, they each were involved with other people at the time. So they didn't really start going out until 2011. And even that, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a bit shady. It's a bit, uh, uh, you know, not so clear when they really started dating because um, they were still with other people. And so clearly there must have been some time when they were hiding that from their, from their partners. But in any case, that's not really important. What's important is they eventually got married in 2015. I mean, I'm not saying that's not important. I'm not, I am not condoning cheating uh, on one's partner. But in terms of this story, they, they dated and the, at least from, let's say, uh, 2013 on, and then they got married in 2015. And then they got divorced uh, 15 months later. Now, um, when it, they had, and they had a very tumultuous uh, relationship. They were, they were um, always fighting, um, arguing. Uh, I know I have to be clear here. I'm not, they were, oh, it was always contentious. They were always um, uh, arguing about something. And um, really, the relationship was not based upon reality to begin with, as happens often in Hollywood romances. They meet on a set and um, where they play uh, two people in love with each other. And then when they go out after the movie is over and they don't have lines and they don't have directions, um, the relationship kind of falls apart. And, and it's really an illusion because they fall in love with the character that the other person is playing, not the real person. And so I think Johnny Depp fell in love with the character that Amber 
Kirk played in that movie. And then, you know, he, he didn't want to really see, for quite a while, he didn't want to see who she really was because he was kind of infatuated with the character. And Amber Heard, I don't think, so he was in love and lust with her or really with the character. And Amber Heard, um, I don't think, was in love with him, with Johnny Depp, or the character he played. She was using him because this was all part of her way of becoming a more famous um, actress, you know, who would be asked to be in more, in bigger films and make more money. And um, talking about money, she sponged off him the whole time that she was in a relationship with him, and she got him to pay for her friends' uh, living arrangements. They lived in penthouses. She got him to, you know, uh, treat them, take them to dinners, serve them dinners in in his house, any kind of, uh, you know, all kinds of opportunities that she could make for her friends using his money, she took advantage of. So, but then... um, but then, you know, they really weren't getting along. Now, Johnny has admitted uh, before the trial and during this trial that he has uh, a problem with drugs and alcohol. And during their relationship, um, he did try to get sober. He, he was really, um, his, he had an addiction to um, opiates that started with, as many people, as happens to many people, they have some kind of an injury and a doctor prescribes opiates. And then if the doctor isn't careful um, in terms of how many pills uh, they prescribe, then the person and how long they keep prescribing them, it is very easy to get addicted. So he had that problem and he also had a problem that sometimes sometimes he drank a little too much. But... Um, and Amber took drugs. <laughs> it came out during the trial that she took drugs as well, but she just wanted to make Johnny the addict. She didn't want to be considered an addict. Um, so in any case, uh, they, so they had this relationship, and after 15 months, they got divorced. And it really, the things really fell apart. When, now, Johnny did a stupid thing. Uh, well, I don't want to say sort of a naive thing, because he was so, he trusted her too much. And um, he didn't insist upon a prenup. And when he, afterwards, when, after they got married, when he um, tried to, when he mentioned that he wanted her to sign a post-nup, post-nuptial agreement in terms of um, what the, how the separation of their assets would go if they got divorced, she didn't want to hear of it. Because that was not why she married him. She wanted to get all of his money. And so um, that is when everything really started going to hell. And um, uh, let's see, there's so much to tell you. I have to pick the highlights here. So anyhow, so, so on the way, so, okay, so he, offered, he told her about the post-up, um, and she, you know, became more furious than ever, and... Um, and she, um, she wanted to, she wanted to get divorced before, uh, before there was a post-nup. And so in order to try to get a monetary settlement that would be bigger, 
Uh, and this is not that unusual. You know, as an expert witness, I have been involved in cases where other, this happens with other um, spouses. You know, most of the time it's the woman, but it also happens, it's happening more and more uh, with men. You know, if the woman is the bigger earner, um, that when people get divorced, especially if there's no prenup or postnup, um, they, they claim abuse. They be either abuse of themselves or abuse of the children. They claim something humiliating, if not criminal, and uh, in order to get more money. And so that's what Amber did. She, you know, made this complaint um, to the, to, and she went into court, and she claimed that Johnny was um, uh, perpetrating domestic violence, that he was physically and, and emotionally, but especially physically and sexually violent. That those were the two things that she was primarily saying. Now, it's been coming out in court more and more. Finally, we're now up to cross-examination of Amber, and Johnny Depp's attorney is doing a fabulous job, and she is catching Amber on um, a lot of lies. And, you know, it's been really hard. I mean, I've been pretty much watching the whole thing um, because, you know, I've been commenting on it and writing about it. Um, I do a column in frontpagedetectives.com. I do a column called Inside the Criminal Mind. And so I've been, I've written two columns so far on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So that's why I've been, that's why. <laughs> that is the ostensible reason for why I have been watching every second of the trial. But it is really a guilty pleasure. It is just, um, it's like a car wreck that you can't stop watching. In any case, um, so, so the, now we're into cross-examination of Amber, and she has been, um, we, she had, I think it was three days or two and a half days of uh, direct examination, meaning where her attorneys were asking her questions. And of course, these were, these were um, uh, easy questions, you know, questions, I mean, her own attorneys were asking questions where, of course, they knew what the answers were, and the questions were... Um, meant to bring out things uh, that she wanted to say that were bad about Johnny. Well, it, as it turns out, and as we're, and it's been very so, it was very frustrating to watch that part, her uh, direct exam, where she she was just free to say whatever lies she wanted, and she talked about, for example, um, using a compact, you know, makeup to hide the bruises that Johnny would inflict upon her. And her lawyer, during uh, the opening statements, her lawyer showed a compact. And it's funny because um, she showed it again. But, and it, so then the internet blew up with, well, the, well, the company, uh, Milani, that was the name of the company who made this particular kind of compact makeup. And it's where it's like foundation or powder but where it's different colors, not just a, a skin color, but like red and green. And so that it, depending upon the color of your bruise, you, by using the opposite color, you can make it, um, uh, you can neutralize it and make it look like your skin color. So anyhow, as it turns out, however, um, this compact that they showed, Milani, wasn't even around at the time that she claimed to be using it to cover bruises by Johnny Depp. So that is just an example, um, but there are so many more, 
So yes, so you know, I couldn't wait for the cross examination because you know somebody to 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 poke a hole in um, all of these lies. It was just a growing mountain of lies in her direct examination. And um, if so, finally at cross uh, that started yesterday, uh, I felt like I was able to exhale. I was able to breathe again. That no, we're not all going to swallow all these lies. Somebody. Uh, notably Johnny Depp's attorney, is going to be um, poking holes in it. And it was just beautiful. Uh, For example, yesterday she um, went through all the various dates when um, Amber said that Johnny abused her, physically abused her. And um, she showed, Johnny Depp's attorney showed pictures of Amber like on that same day after the alleged abuse or the day after the alleged abuse and close-ups to show that she did not have any bruises, not only uh, like on her face where there are no bruises, but also one of the things, I mean, she was saying he punched her in the face and um, he said a couple of times, she said, oh, I think I had a broken nose or I did have a broken nose. And um, in these pictures, that were right after, it's obvious that she didn't have any bruises and didn't have a broken nose. Now, for the bruises, Amber tried to say, well, I used this makeup. You know, then she she backpedaled and said, well, it wasn't Milani. It was that same kind or something. And um, and she explained how she did it. And But with a broken nose, you know, they said, well, you can't hide a broken nose. Well, I put ice on it. Well, there was no way in these pictures, these close-up pictures, that she could have had bruises or a broken nose. And it wasn't, she didn't say that she went to a professional makeup person. This was she herself who was doing all of this. So those, this testimony was really very damaging. And there have been many other examples of um, times that Johnny Depp caught her in these lies. And I, I think, I hope in any case, uh, it was continuing this morning, and I hope that by now, the um, the jury is seeing her, beginning to see her, um, for who she is. Well, we need to take a break. Um, when we come back, I will tell you a little bit more about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and the trial and their experts and everything else. And then later on in the show, we will get to the Buffalo shooter. So stay tuned. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the Amber uh, Heard and Johnny Depp trial, Johnny, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. He is suing her for defamation in regard to a, an op-ed she wrote in the Washington Post in 2018. Um, just to uh, put some context, um, so he, in order for him to win, and he's suing her for $50 million, and she is counter-suing him for $100 million. So to put some more context in, if um, if he can prove that she is lying, well, in, in anything that she says, I mean, um, of course, notably in regard to her lies about his abuse, his alleged abuse. So if, um, well, I mean, the, the Johnny Depp's lawyers have already been proving that she's been lying in regard to a whole bunch of things. Um, and in closing argument, they will undoubtedly say, uh, that if you believe, because this is um, this is uh, something that you that you can say in a trial, that if you think that Amber lied at all at, at in any part of her testimony, it doesn't have to be about the abuse, but about anything. Um, I mean, it could be certainly about the abuse. If you think that she lied about one thing then that you can dis- disregard her testimony completely. Now, clearly by now she has, I, I hope she has convic- convinced the jury that she has lied about at least one thing, and they're going to undoubtedly say that. On the other hand, however, um, if she can prove that he did um, abuse her, just once, even just once, then he would lose. Because that would mean that her article, her op-ed, was accurate. It wasn't defamation. The, the defense to defamation is that something is the truth. So if she is able to just show, even prove, not just say it, but prove that there was one incident, at least, of domestic violence, then she would win. And um, so there have been all very colorful uh, the testimony, I mean, it's, it's, as I said, it's addicting. There has been a lot of colorful testimony 
such as um, one incident that Johnny Depp talked about in his testimony. Well, they, they both, she was asked about it too. Um, he talked about one incident where uh, he had, he wasn't at home and he was going to be coming home, the home that they shared um, after they were married and uh, that there was feces uh, on his side of the bed. Like one of the people who worked in the home told him, you know, you might not want to come home right now <laughs> because there's feces on your side of the bed. Now, I think that that person took a picture of it and sent it to him um, because he found this hard to believe. And, um, and so Amber uh, denied that she had anything to do with that, that it was her feces or her friend's feces or any kind of human feces. Um, she claimed, you know, like the dog ate my homework. She claimed that the dog, they have two tiny um, dogs, and she claimed that it was the feces of one of the dogs, which is, like, impossible. <laughs> the pile was too big to come from a little, a little dog. So uh, a, a teacup uh, dog. So, um, so that's one of the things that was kind of colorful, literally. And then there was some testimony by Amber in direct, um, uh, in, in direct examination, she talked about how Johnny uh, basically raped her with an, a liquor bottle. And she was very, uh, you know, dramatic about that. She, she's been very dramatic about um, all of her testimony, really overly dramatic, very, very bad acting. If she was, if this was an audition, she would not get the part, whatever the part was, <laughs> the part of a, uh, of a victim of domestic violence. Um, you know, one of the things, um, she, she, her, um, her, one of the ways to tell if somebody is lying, it, I mean, there's all kinds of ways, body language, there were lots, lots of things that she did that shows that, that she was lying. But one of the things that was particularly interesting is the bottom of her face, like she would be talking about something being heartbreaking, heartbreaking. She really uh, grimaced in this way with the bottom of her face, like, uh, just, you know, very contorting it. And yet the, um, her forehead was uh, totally immovable. <laughs> now, that could be due to Botox or it just could be a sign of her um, one part of the face being incongruous with the other is a sign of lying. So, um, so she talked about, the, so one of the things that came out on cross-examination um, well, they never mentioned during direct examination that kind of gave the hint, and there wasn't any evidence. There were no documents from doctors for any of these alleged abuses. No, no, um, no, she didn't go to a doctor for anything. Now, you might say to yourself, well, if he punched her in the face, um, Maybe, you know, she wouldn't bother going to a doctor. She'd just put makeup on. Of course, it came out yesterday um, about how Johnny always wears these big, heavy rings. And she admitted that. She was asked that. And she said, oh, yes, he wore them all the time. Clearly, she didn't see what was coming. And so he, um, and he was wearing them in court. And if you got hit uh, with a punched or hit with, with him, with his hand, wearing those rings, 
it would be a lot more than just a little bruise that could be covered over by makeup. But especially this alleged rape with a liquor bottle. There is no woman that I know, and if you are listening to this and you are a woman, woman you know what I'm talking about. If, if it were, that were true, um, that uh, somebody did this, raped you, you know, with a, with a liquor bottle, um, and you were in such pain and all of that, what do you think the first thing would be? Of course you would go, to a, if not to the emergency room right then, which is what most women would do, um, but if there was some difficulty doing that, um, then certainly the next day, going to a doctor of some sort, preferably an OBGYN doctor, to examine you to make sure that there was nothing damaged from that. Yet she did none of that. And she had no doctor, no letters from doctors, no reports from doctors about any of these alleged injuries. So that really, you know, that really does um, make one suspect that it wasn't true. Um, what else? Well, it's just, just to, I think I might have mentioned this in a previous um, show that I did, uh, a previous episode of Dr. Carol's Couch, where, because I was talking about this at the beginning, this came out at the beginning, but just let me mention it because it's the theme of this whole case, which is that um, Johnny Depp talked about when he testified, and he testified first, you know, and his, his case went first because he's the plaintiff. Um, and he, um, he talked about how, uh, what his childhood was like. And he had a very hard childhood in that his mother was very abusive. She was physically abusive. She was emotionally abusive. She used to call him names. She used to chase him around the house. Um, you know, hitting him, throwing things at him, the exact same things that, that Amber, Amber does or did to him. And, uh, but when Johnny was a child, so what he used to do when his mother would, would go into one of her tirades, he would run away from her, his mother. He would hide in one room, and then if she went in there, he would go into another room, and um, he would just run away from her, try to get away from her. He never hit his mother back. Um, and it, he, he, all, all he did was he, he, he found, he learned as a child that the best thing to do would be to get as far away from his abusive mother when she was, you know, in one of her, uh, abusive tirades as possible. So he ended up, of course, unconsciously being attracted to Amber. One thing was, as I was mentioning, was because of the character that she played in the movie that the, the rum diary that was written by his dear friend, Thompson. Um, so he had special connect, a special connection to this story. Uh, you know, it wasn't just any old movie. It was something that was very dear to him. And, uh, in fact, he said that when, when he chose Amber as the, um, to play this star against him, you know, the, 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 his love interest, you know, he said, this is what, um, Thompson would have wanted for this character. So he was really involved in that. So, um, so anyhow, so besides, you know, being super attracted to that character, he was also unconsciously attracted to Amber because of 
being able to tell in a sense, and this actually went with the character too. The character was abusive. Um, and so he was, you know, attracted not only to the, to her as the character, but to the fact that the character was abusive, just like his mother, because people do tend to, um, marry other people who are either like the parent of the opposite sex or the opposite of the parent or something specific related to that parent because what we are doing is trying to work out some pain from our childhood that we didn't get to work out and we are search we search it's Freud's repetition compulsion we search for a partner who will give us that opportunity to recreate our childhood trauma, and, but this time we think we're going to make it end up better. Of course, you know, we usually don't make it end up better unless uh, we go into couples therapy and very intensively. So, um, so, that, so he married um, his mother in Amber, and what hasn't really come out um, is is Amber, what's come, Amber had a father who was an addict, like, who, well, who abused, who was, who was a real addict, and who abused alcohol and drugs. Now, Johnny isn't necessarily, um, I mean, he has abused alcohol and opiates, but he, it's not like he was addicted, physiologically addicted, so that every day he had to have one or the other. Um, and But her father, and I'm not sure whether the father, it seems like her father was actually an addict, but in any case, we know that he abused, at least, um, alcohol and drugs. So, lo and behold, she married somebody <laughs> like her father. Now, her father also abused her mother. Um, now, I know, see, so you could say, well, then Johnny must be abusing her. Um, well, you know, one could say that, except for the fact that Johnny's um, reaction to an abusive person, abusive woman, like, you know, his mother, starting with his mother, was to run away. And, um, and, and Amber, her diagnosis is as a borderline personality disorder and also histrionic and also a narcissistic uh, mixture. And so people with borderline personality disorders, their greatest fear is being abandoned. So here we have Johnny, who's, who is, where it's built into him, it's, you know, um, it's ingrained in his brain that if a woman comes towards you, you know, if, you, if there's an abusive woman in the house, you got to run away. Well, what happens when he runs away? And he did do that with Amber when she was abusive. He, you know, he talked, in fact, about like one time going from uh, one bathroom to another bathroom and he went to several uh, rooms in the house, running away, just like he did with his mother. But what happens when the woman is a borderline, where her greatest fear is the man running away? So whenever he would run away, when Amber would be abusive, and yes, it has come out that she has been certainly emotionally abusive and also physically abusive. She's even admitted it. Well, it's on tape, you know, that uh, her talking about hitting him and so on. Um, so, so when, um, so when, when she was doing all this, when she was abusing him and he ran away, that would trigger her borderline fears of his abandonment. 
And that made her escalate her abuse even more because she was terrified that he was going to leave her. And we hear that in, um, in some of the tapes as well. And there have been witnesses about how she would run after him. You know, he'd have to have his security guards sort of protect him from her and so on. He wasn't, you know, hitting her back. He was running away from her. So, um, so it's a, it's a big mess. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think people are, are um, addicted to it. One, because these, the both of them are very, you know, are very, uh, fascinating to watch. Johnny was amazing because of his, um, when he told his story, he was so authentic and, you know, he was, you felt his pain when people tell you stories, whether it's at trial or it's, you know, as a psychiatrist talking to a patient, you can feel if that emotion is real. You know, you, you don't have to, they don't even have to tell you. You can feel if, if a patient is depressed or angry or whatever, they, or fearful, whatever their emotion is, you should be able, if you're in the same room or you're watching them on television or, or the jury is sitting there in the same room, you should be able to feel what they're telling you. And with Johnny, when he was talking about his childhood abuse and even the abuse by Amber, you felt it. He didn't have to tell you, oh, I was, I, I was, this was very painful, you know, very emotionally painful as far as, as well as physically painful. But with Amber, she's telling you this story with no emotion. I mean, except for her put on overacting, but you don't feel anything. You don't feel compassion for her because you feel it's fake. Perfect time to uh, stop <laughs> with this story. And when we come back, we will move on to the Buffalo Shooter. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We'll be right back. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Now we're going to be talking about the second hot story in the news these days. Uh, Not quite as colorful as Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, If anything, the color is dark. You know, the color is, uh, it's a dark story. And that is the story of Peyton Gendron. He's an 18-year-old young man who um, is what is now being called um, a bedroom terrorist. This, um, this language first came, this, this saying or um, name, uh, bedroom terrorist, was first used in uh, England to talk about a radical Islamist terrorist um, who, you know, um, or, or more than one, but started with one, who um, attacked um, some people in um, in England. Um, and um, what it means is when some, because of, of COVID, because of the lockdowns um, in COVID, the um, people, you know, uh, people have been having, more time. We've all been having more time on our hands. And some people have been using that time to search the internet. Um, Some people have gotten, gone down the rabbit hole of propaganda towards hate groups, you know, whether it's radical Islamist terrorists, um, absorbing more, becoming um, engulfed in propaganda against the West you know, um, or whether it's such in the case of Peyton Gendron, he went down the rabbit hole of propaganda against black people. Um, In particular, uh, uh, websites that talk about the replacement theory. Now, the replacement theory is um, a theory about how um, white people, white people, Caucasians, are being replaced by blacks and by people of other um, ethnicities in America, well, really in the world, um, because white people don't have as many babies as people of color do. And so, you know, there are websites online that talk about how this is so terrible and we have to do something about it. And so he... Um, decided that so in in during all of these hours that he had online, um, he buried himself in this kind of propaganda, developed a lot of hate towards blacks, and decided to go on a rampage to kill black people. So he went to a town in New York, Buffalo, that was about 200 miles away from where he lived because he lived in a town that was 90 approximately 95 percent white. And um, so he went to Buffalo, and he went to this part of Buffalo where there was a, a grocery store named Top's Friendly Supermarket. 
the ir- irony, of course, is Top's friendly supermarket. It was friendly until he went there and did a mass shooting. He shot 13 people. Ten of them died. Eleven of the people that he shot were black. And um, he actually had plans to then go on and shoot more people, go into the town and shoot more black people. Oh, he picked this part of town because it had, you know, he looked on, he Googled it, (laughs) and he looked on the map and he found that this was a place um, that had a, a very high percentage of black people. And so, um, so that's how he chose where to go. And, um, so he, when he, when this happened, um, the police came and so they stopped him, they caught him and stopped him before he was able to continue on. Uh, he was going to go into the neighborhood and just shoot people, you know, in the street. Um, and how how everybody knows this now is because before he went on the shooting spree, he made a um, a manifesto, and the manifesto was like a hundred pages. And in his manifesto, he talked about um, what he was going to do. He told you know his plans for this mass shooting, and um, and he also talked about you know what his motives were and all that. And um, so there is, so this, and not only did he look at at, uh, websites that were filled with hate, um, but he also uh, just played a lot of violent video games, a lot of shooter games, which is how he was able to be such a good shooter, um, you know, when he did his mass shooting. (laughs) And also, not just that, but he, his family apparently liked to shoot, and um, they would go on. He had two younger brothers. He was 18, and he had two younger brothers. And his parents and the three children, three boys, um, used to go play laser tag, which what is laser tag? It's shooting a gun, you know, with laser. Um, so he got lots of gun practice, lots of shooting practice. And... Um, we are going to be seeing uh, more of this, more of what I call collateral damage from the lockdowns. The people who died or were injured in this mass shooting in Buffalo are one of the first who are the collateral damage from the lockdowns because of these bedroom terrorists. In other words, people who would um, play, you know, go on the Internet in their bedroom or, you know, obviously in other rooms in their house, but in their house. Is, is what it means, you know. So quietly in their little bedrooms, while they had to be in lockdown, they were they were filling themselves with rage, you know. We're seeing this with road rage, airplane rage. There are lots of lots of angry people in the world, and there have been um, studies that have gone on for years, decades, um, showing that the more violent media you consume, the more aggressive you become, and not everybody will become a mass killer. But um, that we are becoming more violent in our lives, even other than mass shooters, people who fight you over a parking spot or, or road rage or just, you know, people are much more aggressive these days, telling people to wear a mask or not wear a mask. There's a lot of aggression. So um, 
Uh, Peyton Gendron also uh, looked online and studied the New Zealand mosque killer. You know, he copied that because that man um, took a stream. He videoed uh, his 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 attack in New Zealand um, as he was doing it, streaming it online, in other words. And Peyton did the same thing. Now... You know, there were some articles that said um, no red flags. Well, <coughs> excuse me, that's not true at all. There were a lot of a lot of red flags where Peyton was concerned. Um, for example, a year ago, that, last June, um, he was asked in school, uh, the whole class was asked, what do you want to do after graduation? And he said... He wants to be a mass shooter and kill a lot of people and then kill himself. And he also mentioned, you know, he thought he might like to do that at a graduation, kill a lot of people at a graduation or maybe someplace else. But that was his, when he, when he grew up, you know, um, he wanted to be a mass shooter. And sure enough, he, he fulfilled his ambitions. Now, when he said some of these things, um, the, uh, the teacher called the police. Somebody at the school called the police. And the police came and met with him and interviewed him, and they decided that they should bring him to a mental health facility. And he wound up being hospitalized in a psychiatric facility for about a day and a half to two days. And after, after that, what happened after that is, you know, not known at this point, or if it's known, it hasn't been... It hasn't been publicized yet, and really, I think it's because nothing happened after that. Um, I don't. Apparently, his parents didn't didn't keep tabs on him, didn't make him continue to go to therapy, didn't make him take medic to take, didn't make him see a psychiatrist and take medication as well as therapy. Um, and the psychiatrist or the hospital or wherever he went didn't keep tabs on him, and the police didn't keep tabs on him. I mean, this is this really, um, you know, of course this is all alleged, but, I mean, they caught him <laughs> in the act, so it's not, we know who did it. Um, really, I think his parents, this was such blatant neglect that I, I hope his parents get charged with something, too, for not doing anything once he wa- they were warned a year ago. I mean, here's a, here's a, um, uh, what I, uh, here's a, 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 I can't even think of the word, um, like a telegram or here's a message. You know, if you have a child and your child talks, or you know somebody who talks about shooting up, wanting to be a mass shooter, shooting up a graduation, shooting up a store, shooting up something, um, having a fantasy of that, may I suggest that you tell that person and if it's a child, that you send that person to a psychiatrist. That person needs to be in therapy. And, um, and presumably also would need to take medication because this, these, are very, um, these are very frightening, uh, dangerous fantasies. So, um, <clears throat> but it does, it does not seem like the parents did do any of that. The kids at school have said, um, after this, they have said that they thought he was odd 
he might have been bullied at school, although that hasn't come out yet. But they certainly thought he, he was isolated, at least, at school because they thought he was so odd. And, um, and he, for example, he came in wearing a hazmat suit, suit, <laughs> hazmat suit, a hazmat suit from toe, tip to toe, head to toe. And um, he, because, you know, in relation to COVID. Now, whether he was really paranoid and worried that he was going to catch COVID, that's possible. If he was trying to, you know, be sarcastic and make a point that uh, the school shouldn't have been closed, that really it's not that much to worry about, might have been that. But these are the kinds of things that would have been, should have been talked about in therapy. Um, And he, so in so many ways, he represents the typical story of a mass shooter, whether it's a school shooter, you know, the, this, the um, uh, Ethan Crumbly in Michigan, the school shooter, is another example of this. So he would be considered a bedroom terrorist. Ethan Crumbly, uh, who shot up his school in Michigan, he also was on the Internet uh, and playing violent video games during COVID and built up aggression and then brought a gun to his school and uh, shot his classmates. And that's another thing. So it's a combination of somebody having a dysfunctional uh, family, um, perhaps being bullied or isolated in, in school, um, consuming an overwhelming amount of violent media, having a mental illness of some sort, um, and th- having access to guns. This Peyton Gendron... Um, just like the Michigan shooter, school shooter, had fathers who bought them guns. I mean, hello, (laughs) you know, and this is fathers who obviously feel um, impotent themselves and buy guns uh, for their boys, for their kids. And then, of course, some trigger had to have happened to make him pick that particular day, getting back to Peyton Gendron, to pick that particular day to carry it out. Uh, Because, as I said, he had been planning it for months. Well, we come to the end of the show today. Thank you for listening. Um, These are really interesting stories, and now you have a lot to talk about at the water cooler. (laughs) Of course, a lot of people aren't back at work at the water cooler. But wherever you talk to your friends, now you have a lot more to talk to them about and a lot of things to think about. So until next week, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.